0: Chapters 10-12 to of Heidi by Joanna Speary. As you may have heard, you can now listen to all of The Secret Garden to the end on Send Me to Sleep Premium. If you'd like me to make all the chapters of Heidi available on Premium, write us a message or comment on Instagram. If enough people request it, I'll have it ready in the coming weeks. A massive thanks once again to our premium listeners for your support. We couldn't keep going without you. So, without further ado, let your eyes fall heavy and your breath soften as we settle in for a peaceful Night sleep. Chapter 10 A Grandmama The following evening, great expectation reigned in the house. Tinette had put on a new cap. Sebastian was placing footstools in front of nearly eight. Every armchair, and Miss Rottenmeier walked with great dignity about the house, inspecting everything. When the carriage at last drove up, the servants flew downstairs, followed by Miss Rottenmeier in more measured steps. Heidi had been sent to her room to await further orders, but it was not long before Tanette opened the door and said brusquely, "'Go into the study.' The grandmama, with her kind and loving way, immediately befriended the child." and made her feel as if she had known her always. To the housekeeper's great mortification, she called the child Heidi, remarking to Miss Rottenmere, If somebody's name is Heidi, I call her so. The housekeeper soon found out that she had to respect The grandmother's ways and opinions. Mrs. Seesman always knew what was going on in the house the minute she entered it. On the following afternoon, Clara was resting, and the old lady had shut her eyes for five minutes when she got up again and went into the dining room. With a suspicion that the housekeeper was probably asleep, she went to this lady's room, knocking loudly on the door. After a while, somebody stirred inside, and with a bewildered face, Miss Rottenmere appeared, staring at the unexpected visitor. Rottenmere... Where is the child? How does she pass her time? I want to know, said Mrs. Seesman. She just sits in her room, not moving a finger. She has not the slightest desire to do something useful, and that is why she thinks of such absurd things that one can hardly mention them. In polite society, I should do exactly the same thing if I were left alone like that. Please bring her to my room now. I want to show her some pretty books I've brought with me. That is just the trouble. What should she do with books? In all this time she has not even learned the ABC for it is impossible to instill any knowledge into this being. If Mr. Candidate was not as patient as an angel, he would have given up teaching her long ago. How strange. The child does not look To me, like one who cannot learn the ABC, said Mrs. Seasman. Please fetch her now, we can look at the pictures anyway. The housekeeper was going to say more, but the old lady had turned already and gone to her room. She was thinking over what she had heard about Heidi, making up her mind to look into the matter. Heidi had come and was looking with great wondering eyes at the splendid pictures in the large books that Grandmama was showing her. Suddenly, she screamed aloud, for there on the picture... She saw a peaceful flock grazing on a green pasture. In the middle, a shepherd was standing, leaning on his crook. The setting sun was shedding a golden light over everything. With glowing eyes, Heidi devoured the scene, but suddenly she began to sob violently. The grandmama took her little hand in hers and said in the most soothing voice, Come, child, you must not cry. Did this remind you of something? Now stop and I'll tell you the story tonight. There are lovely stories in this book that people can read and tell. Dry your tears, darling. I must ask you something. Stand up now and look at me. Now we are merry again. Heidi did not stop at once, but the kind lady gave her ample time to compose herself, saying from time to time, Now it's all over. Now we'll be merry again. When the child was quiet at last, she said, Tell me now how your lessons are going. What have you learnt, child? Tell me. Nothing, Heidi sighed, but I knew that I never could learn it. What is it that you can't learn? I can't learn to read. It is too hard. What next? Who gave you this information? Peter told me, and he tried over and over again, but he could not do it, for it is too hard. Well, what kind of boy is he? Heidi... You must not believe what Peter tells you, but try for yourself. I am sure you had your thoughts elsewhere when Mr. Candidate showed you the letters. It's no use, Heidi said with such a tone as if she was resigned to her fate. I'm going to tell you something, Heidi, said the kind lady now. You have not learnt to read because you have believed what Peter said. You shall believe me now, and I prophecy that you will learn it in a very short time, as a great many other children do that are like you and not like Peter. When you can read, I am going to give you this book. You have seen the shepherd on the green pasture, and then you'll be able to find out all the strange things that happened to him. Yes, you can hear the whole story and what he does with his sheep and his goats, you would like to know, wouldn't you, Heidi? Heidi had listened attentively, and said now with sparkling eyes, If I could only read already. It won't be long, I can see that. Come now, and let's go to Clara. With that, they both went over to the study. Since the day of Heidi's attempted flight, a great change had come over the child. She had realized that it would hurt her kind friends if she tried to go home. She knew now that she could not leave, as her aunt Detta had promised, for they all, especially Clara and her father and the old lady, would think her ungrateful. But the burden grew heavier in her heart and she lost her appetite and got paler and paler. She could not get to sleep at night, from longing to see the mountains with the flowers and the sunshine and only in her dreams would she be happy. When she woke up in the morning she always found herself on her high white bed far away from home burying her head in her pillow. She would often weep a long, long time. Mrs. Seesman had noticed the child's unhappiness, but let a few days pass, hoping for a change. But the change never came, and often Heidi's eyes were red even in the early morning. So she called the child to her room and said, with great sympathy in her voice, Tell me, Heidi, what is the matter with you? What is making you so sad? But as Heidi did not want to appear thankless, she replied sadly, I can't tell you. No? Can't you tell Clara, perhaps? Oh, no, I can't tell anyone, Heidi said, looking so unhappy that the old lady's heart was filled with pity. I tell you something, little girl, she continued. If you have a sorrow... That you cannot tell anyone, you can go to our Father in heaven. You can tell him everything that troubles you. And if we ask him, he can help us and take our suffering away. Do you understand me, child? Don't you pray every night? Don't you thank him? for all his gifts, and ask him to protect you from evil. Oh no, I never do that, replied the child. Have you ever prayed, Heidi? Do you know what I mean? I only prayed with my first grandmother, but it is so long ago, ...that I have forgotten. See, Heidi, I understand now why you are so unhappy. We all need somebody to help us. And just think how wonderful it is to be able to go to the Lord when something distresses us and causes us pain. We can tell him everything... And ask him to comfort us when nobody else can do it. He can give us happiness and joy. Heidi was gladdened by these tidings and asked, Can we tell him everything? Everything? Yes, Heidi, everything. The child withdrawing her hand from the grandmama, said hurriedly, Can I go now? Yes, of course, was the reply, and with this, Heidi ran to her room. Sitting down on a stool, she folded her hands and poured out her heart to God, imploring him to help her And let her go home to her grandfather. About a week later, Mr. Candidate asked to see Mrs. Seesman to tell her of something unusual that had occurred. Being called to the lady's room, he began, Mrs. Seesman, something has happened that I never expected. And with many more words, the happy grandmama was told that Heidi had suddenly learned to read, with the utmost correctness, most rare with beginners. Many strange things happen in this world, Mrs. Seisman remarked while they went over to the study to witness Heidi's new accomplishment. Heidi was sitting close to Clara, reading her a story. She seemed amazed at the strange new world that had opened up before her. At supper, Heidi found the large book with the beautiful picture on her plate and looking doubtfully at Grandmama she saw the old lady nod. Now it belongs to you, Heidi, she said. Forever, also when I am going home, Heidi inquired, confused with joy. Certainly forever, the Grandmama assured her. Tomorrow, we shall begin to read it. But Heidi, you must not go home. No, not for many years, Clara exclaimed. Especially when Grandmama goes away, you must stay with me. Heidi still looked at her book before going to bed that night, and this book? became her dearest treasure. She would look at the beautiful pictures and read all the stories aloud to Clara. Grandmama would quietly listen and explain something here and there, making it more beautiful than before. Heidi loved the pictures with the shepherd best of all, They told the story of the prodigal son, and the child would read and re-read it till she nearly knew it by heart. Since Heidi had learned to read and possessed the book, the days seemed to fly, and the time had come near that Grandmama had fixed for her departure. Chapter 11 Heidi Gains in Some Respects and Loses in Others The Grandmama sent for Heidi every day after dinner, while Clara was resting and Miss Rottenmere disappeared into her room. She talked to Heidi and amused her in various ways, showing her how to make clothes for pretty little dolls that she had brought her. Unconsciously, Heidi had learned to sew, and made now the sweetest dresses and coats for the little people, out of lovely materials the grandmama would give her. Often Heidi would read to the old lady, For the oftener she read over the stories, the dearer they became to her. The child lived everything through with the people in the tales, and was always happy to be with them again. But she never looked really cheerful, and her eyes never sparkled merrily as before. In the last week of Mrs. Seisman's stay, Heidi was called again to the old lady's room. The child entered with her beloved book under her arm. Mrs. Seisman drew Heidi close to her and laid the book aside. She said, "'Come, child, and tell me why you are so sad.' Do you still have the same sorrow? Yes, Heidi replied. Did you confide it to our Lord? Yes. Do you pray to him every day that he may make you happy again and take your affliction away? Oh no, I don't pray anymore. What do I hear, Heidi? Why don't you pray? It does not help, for God has not listened. I don't wonder, she added, for if all the people in Frankfurt pray every night, he cannot listen to them all. I am sure he has not heard me. Really? Why are you so sure? Because I have prayed for the same thing many, many weeks, and God has not done what I have asked him to do. That is not the way, Heidi. You see, God in heaven is a good father to us all, who knows what we need better than we do. When something we ask for is not very good for us, he gives us something much better. If we confide in him and do not lose confidence in his love. I am sure what you ask for was not very good for you just now. He has heard you, for he can hear the prayers of all the people in the world at the same time, because he is God Almighty and not a mortal like us. He has heard your prayer and said to himself, Yes, Heidi shall get what she is praying for in time. While God was looking down on you, to hear your prayers, you lost confidence and went away from Him. If God does not hear your prayers anymore, He will forget you also and let you go. Don't you want to go back to Him, Heidi, and ask His forgiveness? Pray to Him every day and hope in Him that He may bring cheer and happiness to you. Heidi had listened attentively. She had unbounded confidence in the old lady, whose words had made a deep impression on her. Full of repentance, she said, I shall go at once and ask our father for forgiveness. I shall never forget him anymore. That's right, Heidi. I am sure he will help you in time, if you only trust in him. The grandmother consoled her. Heidi went to her room now and prayed earnestly to God that he would forgive her and fulfill her wish. The day of departure had come, but Mrs. Seesman arranged everything in such a way that the children hardly realized she was actually going. Still, everything was empty and quiet when she had gone, and the children hardly knew how to pass their time. Next day... Heidi came to Clara in the afternoon and said, Can I always, always read to you now, Clara? Clara assented and Heidi began. But she did not get very far, for the story she was reading told of a grandmother's death. Suddenly she cried aloud, Oh, now grandmother is dead and wept in the most pitiful fashion. Whatever Heidi read always seemed real to her and now she thought it was her own grandmother at home. Louder and louder she sobbed. Now poor grandmother is dead and I can never see her anymore, and she never got one single role. Clara attempted to explain the mistake, but Heidi was much too upset. She pictured herself how terrible it would be if her dear old grandfather would die too while she was far away. How quiet and empty it would be in the hut. How lonely she would be. Miss Rottenmere had overheard the scene, and approaching the sobbing child, she said impatiently, Adelheid, now you have screamed enough. If I hear you again giving way to yourself... In such a noisy fashion, I shall take your book away forever. Heidi turned pale at that, for the book was her greatest treasure. Quickly drying her tears, she choked down her sobs. After that, Heidi never cried again. Often she could hardly repress her sobs and was obliged to make the strangest faces to keep herself from crying out. Clara often looked at her, full of surprise, but Miss Rottenmere did not notice them and found no occasion to carry out her threat. However, The poor child got more cheerless every day, and looked so thin and pale that Sebastian became worried. He tried to encourage her at the table to help herself to all the good dishes, but listlessly she would let them pass and hardly touched them. In the evening, she would cry quietly, her heart bursting with longing to go home. Thus, the time passed by. Heidi never knew if it was summer or winter, for the walls opposite never changed. They drove out very seldom, for Clara was only able to go a short distance. They never saw anything else than streets, houses, and busy people. No grass, no fir trees, no mountains. Heidi struggled constantly against her sorrow, but in vain. Autumn and winter had passed, and Heidi knew that the time was coming when Peter would go up the Alp with his goats, where the flowers were glistening in the sunshine, and the mountains were all afire. She would sit down in a corner of her room and put both her hands before her eyes, not to see the glaring sunshine on the opposite wall. There she would remain, eating her heart away with longing, till Clara would call for her to come. Chapter 12 The Seasman House is Haunted For several days, Miss Rottenmere had been wandering silently about the house. When she went from room to room or along the corridors, she would often glance back as if she were afraid that somebody were following her. If she had to go to the upper floor where the gorgeous guest rooms were, Or to the lower story, where the big ballroom was situated, she always told Tanette to come with her. The strange thing was that none of the servants dared to go anywhere alone and always found an excuse to ask each other's company, which requests were always granted. The cook, who had been in the house for many years, would often shake her head and mutter that I should live to see this. Something strange and weird was happening in the house. Every morning, when the servants came downstairs, they found the front door wide open at first everybody had thought that the house must have been robbed, but nothing was missing. Every morning it was the same, despite the double locks that were put on the door. At last John and Sebastian, taking courage, prepared themselves to watch through a night to see who was the ghost Armed and provided with some strengthening liquor, they repaired to a room downstairs. First they talked, but soon, getting sleepy, they leaned silently back in their chairs. When the clock from the old church tower struck one, Sebastian awoke and roused his comrade, which was no easy matter. At last, however, John was wide awake, and together they went out into the hall. The same moment, a strong wind put out the light that John held in his hand. Rushing back, he nearly upset Sebastian, who stood behind him, and pulling the butler back into the room, he locked the door in furious haste. When the light was lit again, Sebastian noticed that John was deadly pale and trembling like an aspen leaf. Sebastian, not having seen anything, asked anxiously, "'What is the matter?' What did you see? The door was open and a white form was on the stairs. It went up and was gone in a moment, gasped John. Cold shivers ran down the butler's back. They sat without moving till the morning came and then, shutting the door, they went upstairs to report to the housekeeper what they had seen. The lady, who was waiting eagerly, heard the tale and immediately sat down to write to Mr. Seesman. She told him that the fright had paralysed her fingers and that terrible things were happening in the house. Then followed a tale of the appearance of the ghost. Mr. Seesman replied that he could not leave his business and advised Miss Rottenmere to ask his mother to come to stay with them, for Mrs. Seesman would easily dispatch the ghost. Miss Rottenmere was offended with the tone of the letter which did not seem to take her account seriously. Mrs. Seisman also replied that she could not come, so the housekeeper decided to tell the children all about it. Clara, at the uncanny tale, immediately exclaimed that she would not stay alone another moment and that she wished her father to come home. The housekeeper arranged to sleep with the frightened child, while Heidi, who did not know what ghosts were, was perfectly unmoved. Another letter was dispatched to Mr. Seasman, telling him that the excitement might have serious effects on his daughter's delicate constitution, and mentioning several misfortunes that might probably happen if he did not relieve the household from this terror. This brought Mr. Seasman going to his daughter's room after his arrival, he was overjoyed to see her as well as ever. Clara was also delighted to see her father. "'What new tricks has the ghost played on you, Miss Rottenmere?' asked Mr. Seesman with a twinkle in his eye. "'It is no joke, Mr. Seesman, replied the lady seriously. "'I am sure you will not laugh tomorrow.' Those strange events indicate that something secret and horrible has happened in the house in days gone by. Is that so? This is new to me, remarked Mr. Seasman. But will you please not suspect my venerable ancestors? Please call Sebastian. I want to speak to him alone. Mr. Seisman knew that the two were not on good terms, so he said to the butler, "'Come here, Sebastian, and tell me honestly, if you have played the ghost for Miss Rottenmeer's pastime.' "'No, upon my word, master, you must not think that,' replied Sebastian frankly." I do not like it quite myself. Well, I'll show you and John what ghosts look like by day. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, strong young men like you. Now go at once to my old friend, Dr. Classen, and tell him to come to me at nine o'clock tonight." Tell him that I came from Paris especially to consult him, and that I want him to sit up all night with me. Do you understand me, Sebastian? Yes, indeed. I shall do as you say, Mr. Seesman. Mr. Seesman then went up to Clara's room to quiet and comfort her. Punctually, at nine o'clock, the doctor arrived. Though his hair was grey, his face was still fresh, and his eyes were lively and kind. When he saw his friend, he laughed aloud and said, Well, well, you look pretty healthy for one who needs to be watched all night. "'Have patience, my old friend,' replied Mr. Seesman. "'I am afraid the person we have to sit up for will look worse. "'But first we must catch him.' "'What?' "'Then somebody is sick in this house. "'What do you mean?' "'Far worse, Doctor, far worse.' A ghost is in the house. My house is haunted. When the doctor laughed, Mr. Seesman continued, I call that sympathy. I wish my friend Miss Rottenmere could hear you. She is convinced that an old Seesman is wandering about, expiating some dreadful deed. How did she make his acquaintance? asked the doctor, much amused. Mr. Seasman then explained the circumstances. He said that the matter was either a bad joke which an acquaintance of servants was playing in his absence, or it was a gang of thieves who, after intimidating the people, would surely rob his house. By and by. With these explanations, they entered the room where the two servants had watched before. A few bottles of wine stood on the table, and two bright candelabra shed a brilliant light. Two revolvers were ready for emergencies. They left the door only partly open for too much light might drive the ghost away. Then, sitting down comfortably, the two men passed their time by chatting, taking a sip now and then. The ghost seems to have spied us, and probably won't come today, said the doctor. We must have patience, it is supposed to come at one, replied his friend. So they talked till one o'clock. Everything was quiet, and not a sound came from the street. Suddenly, the doctor raised his finger. Shh, Seisman, don't you hear something? While they both listened, the bar was unfastened. The key was turned, and the door flew open. Mr. Seesman seized his revolver. You are not afraid, I hope, said the doctor, getting up. Better be cautious, whispered Mr. Seesman, seizing the candelabrum in the other hand. The doctor followed with his revolver, and the light and so they went out into the hall. On the threshold stood a motionless white form, lighted up by the moon. Who is there? thundered the doctor, approaching the figure. It turned and uttered a low shriek. There stood Heidi, with bare feet, In her white nightgown, looking bewildered at the bright light and the weapon. She was shaking with fear while the two men were looking at her in amazement. Seasman, this seems to be your little water carrier, said the doctor. Child, what does this mean? Asked Mr. seesman What did you want to do? Why have you come down here? Pale from fright, Heidi said. I do not know. The doctor came forward now. Seisman, this case belongs to my field. Please go and sit down while I take her to bed. Putting his revolver aside, he led the trembling child upstairs. Don't be afraid, just be quiet. Everything is alright. Don't be frightened. When they had arrived in Heidi's room, the doctor put the little girl in bed, covered her up carefully. Drawing a chair near the couch, he waited till Heidi had calmed down and stopped trembling. Then taking her hand in his, he said kindly, Now everything is all right again. Tell me where you wanted to go. I did not want to go anywhere, Heidi assured him. I did not go myself, only I was there all of a sudden. Really, tell me, what did you dream? Oh, I have the same dream every night. I always think I am with my grandfather again and can hear the fir trees roar. I always think... How beautiful the stars must be. And then I open the door of the hut, and oh, it's so wonderful. But when I wake up, I am always in Frankfurt. Heidi had to fight the sobs that were rising in her throat. Does your back or your head hurt, child? No but I feel as if a big stone was pressing me here. As if you had eaten something that disagreed with you. Oh no, but as if I wanted to cry hard. So, and then you cry out, don't you? Oh no, I must never do that for Miss Rottenmere has forbidden me. Then you swallow it down, yes, do you like to be here? Oh yes, was the faint, uncertain reply. Where did you live with your grandfather? Up on the Alp? But wasn't it a little lonely there? Oh no, it was so beautiful. But Heidi could say no more. The recollection, the excitement of the night, and all the restrained sorrow seemed to overpower the child. The tears rushed violently from her eyes and she broke out into loud sobs. The doctor rose and soothing her, said, It won't hurt to cry. You'll go to sleep afterward, and when you wake up, everything will come right. Then he left the room. Joining his anxious friend downstairs, he said, "Seasman, the little girl is a sleepwalker, and has unconsciously scared your whole household. Besides, she is so homesick that her little body has wasted away. We shall have to act quickly. The only remedy for her is to be restored to her native mountain air. This is my prescription. She must go tomorrow. What? Sick? A sleepwalker? And wasted away in my house? Nobody even suspected it. You think I should send this child back in this condition when she has come in good health? No, doctor. Ask everything but that. Take her in hand and prescribe for her but let her get well before I send her back. Seisman, the doctor replied seriously. Just think what you are doing. We cannot cure her with powders and pills. The child has not a strong constitution, and if you keep her here, she might never get well. If you restore her, to the bracing mountain air to which she is accustomed, she probably will get better again. When Mr. Seasman heard this, he said, If that is your advice, we must act at once. This is the only way, then. With these words, Mr. Seasman took his friend's arm and walked about with him to talk the matter over. When everything was settled, the doctor took his leave, for the morning had already come and the sun was shining in through the door.